Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanachef and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> uh, great it's to great be here. here. Yeah. Great to be out here at the uh, IX Beer Fest. Yeah, in Cleveland? It, it, yeah. Good old Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Good job, Cleveland. I don't know who put yeah. this on. Exactly. Woo! It's, uh, it's like a mini GABF right here. And it is. not really mini. This is, uh, this is pretty good size. Yeah, it's, this it's, is every bit as good as GABF as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, I like it so far better than GAB. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less people and more beer for us. Right, yeah. It's not so crowded. I'm getting a chance to, to meet a lot of the uh, local folks, a lot of fans, a lot of great brewers. Yeah, yeah. I've been really impressed with a lot of local beers. Uh, uh, yeah, well, and we went today, we went to uh, Fatheads. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you guys know Fatheads? Yeah! Freaking excellent, isn't it? Yeah, that is that is some great food, and then awesome beer. That guy yeah. uh, Matt Cole is yeah. his name. Yeah, Matt. That's one heck of a brewer. That guy mm. knows what he's doing out there, yeah. and uh, I was very impressed. Loggers and ales, everything I had, I thought was just perfectly made. Mm-hmm. Well I, brewed, well brewed. Beers. I had no no quibbles. I it's like. These are really, really good beers. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Jamil, did you did you see the size of the sandwich? My sandwich, right? The size of your head. <laughs> it was yeah. It's the size of Palmer's head, even. Or the size of <laughs> McDowell's head. I've never seen That's a huge. sandwich like that in my right. life. Right. One of the wings. Hey, yeah. you bring out a plate of wings, oh. and I'm just like, oh my god, that's a meal in itself. I had, I had the killer sauce, the habanero sauce. <laughs> it was hiccuping. good. Oh, but I got yeah, I got my habanero hiccups from it, but <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. Oh, it was fantastic! I was uh, just just thrilled mm-hmm. to uh, find a place that great on the yeah, trip. Yeah, because you, you never know what you're going to get. I've never been to Cleveland. It, it looks like a beautiful place. All the people are, are lovely, but yeah, you never know what you're going to get when you go to, go someplace you've never been before. And uh, the listeners suggested uh, Fatheads was one of the top ones that they, yeah. they mentioned. And I tell you, listeners did not steer us wrong. That no. was that was absolutely. Uh, just wonderful. So if you've never been to Fatheads, I highly recommend it. Go out there. You won't be disappointed. You can't go wrong with uh, a trip to Fatheads. Well, in the Cleveland beer scene in general, I mean, we arrived last night to our hotel to find over 100 beers on the menu in a hotel bar. Right. Yeah. That's right. a good city to me. <laughs> That's a great yeah. city to me. <laughs> yeah. That's an awesome freaking hotel. I'm liking Cleveland so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and what we, we, we ended up... Uh, uh, knocking back a few bottles of the Jolly Pumpkin La Roja. That's what we're drinking now. I don't know if uh, have anybody out of here not tried La Roja and you like sour beers and never tried La Roja. Anybody? Anybody? Come up here, sir. Come up here right now. Yep. 
come up and, and get yourself a, uh, a little dose of uh, La Roja. You will be, you'll be amazed. Uh, Ron at Jolly Pumpkin, he's doing uh, just fabulous things with, it, with his beer. Here, have a couple of Heretic stickers while you're at it. <laughs> Jamil's pouring beer already at the Cleveland beer. International Beer Festival. I'm somebody else's beer, and I'm giving out my stickers to go with it here. It's, uh, help yourself there. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you haven't tried it, absolutely fantastic beer. Now, folks in the audience, I'm not going to make you sign a waiver or anything, but we are streaming this to the world. You can wave to the cameras <laughs> you and say hi to mom on, on at camera. Home. Yeah. Uh, you can, uh, listeners at home, justin.tv slash brewing network. We'll try to send you as much video as we can so you can see what's happening. There you go. All that's happening right now is that Jamil's trying to get the audience all lubed up to enjoy the show. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you'll enjoy and, I'm good, uh, I'm good. and you'll, like you'll say good things about something. it. There you go. Yeah. They have this beer over here. You have to take a couple of heretic stickers with you. Well, you got the yeast at the end. Well, that's one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, yeast. Uh, You know, the yeast that's used is beer and the beer character. Uh, We're all we're all out of uh, well. No, maybe there's a little sludge left there. Help yourself, sir. Yeah, it's available at the Jolly Pumpkin booth too. Right, both the beer. Go to the Jolly Pumpkin booth, and they have that there. It's absolutely one of my favorite beers at the fest. And um, yeah, one of my favorite beers, just oh, period. Yeah. yeah, I think that that is perfectly done. And apparently, it's in a magazine. Uh, now somebody's holding up something. It looks oh, mildly beer. pornographic. <laughs> he says no. It's beer pornography, right? <laughs> beer pornography. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, there's some. You see it again. There's some some hot women on here. I don't know. The pale ale challenge. All right. Well, we'll have, we'll have a chance for uh, audience participation coming up in a, a little bit. We'll entertain your questions. If you've got questions, we'll ha- we'll send uh, our our uh, producer Scott in Moscow. He'll will uh, come through and uh, give you an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, from uh, our esteemed panel here, or just me and John, because I think Chris has to go and uh, do another show. But uh, I wanted to talk about yeast and how that really affects the character of beers. You know, you have your, your ingredients. There's a you know your, your a wide array of grains. There's a wide array of hops, and yeah, those do have an important uh, place in beer flavor. You know, that's pretty much uh, a, a large part of the difference between, say, a stout and a pale ale. But, you know, when you're drinking a lot of different pale ales, what is it that makes one stand out from the other? Are you drinking a lot of different stouts or you have some sort of favorite style that you enjoy? The thing that really differentiates one from the other is the yeast character. And if you've ever tried this Jolly Pumpkin uh, La Roja, a lot of that, what you're getting in there is yeast character. And it's, it's not just... Uh, they use a White Labs uh, 550 yeast, uh, which which we're going to use in Heretic as well. And uh, so they, the, a 550 yeast, and then they actually expose that to um, the local Dexter, Michigan air and bring that in. That brings in other wild yeasts and bacteria, and it sours it up and adds a lot of character. Now, now Chris, you know, what is it about the different strains of yeast that are giving these different characteristics to these beers? I think the fun thing about yeast 
is that all of those flavors come in the fermentation, and each strain makes different flavors. So when you start with malt and hops, those flavors are already predetermined a little bit. You know, they, the hops have the flavors. You can kind of smash up the hops and taste them and smell them before you put them in the beer. But all the flavors derived from yeast happen after you make after you do the boil and after you do the mash. So those flavors are created in the fermentation, and they're a little bit unpredictable. So the brewer's job is to kind of keep the yeast, manage the yeast, manage the fermentation, and try to get consistent flavors from each fermentation from each different yeast strain. Because as each yeast strain grows in the beer, they make different flavor and aroma compounds. Some of those you never taste because they're in too small amounts. A lot of those you don't want in very high amounts, but you want just the right amount, so uh, it makes the beer taste different. If this beer was made with California ale yeast or different ale yeast strains, it would taste really, really different. Well, that's one of the things. We were over at uh, the uh, Willoughby. <laughs> Willoughby, where uh, they, they have a, uh, a really a fantastic uh, peanut butter coffee porter, which, uh, you know, a lot of times... Uh, you know, you hear these things, you think, uh, I don't know if that'll work. It really works on this one. Yeah. Really fantastic. And one of the things that uh, uh, Rick uh, told us was that they're using the Cal Ale yeast, the 001, because it has a, a, a much cleaner profile, and that allows the peanut butter and the coffee and the other roast grains and stuff to, to really come through. So you, if you want to see an example of a, a clean yeast where the malt really has a, a lot of uh, effect, uh, you can go to the uh, the Willoughby booth. It's a, it, out down there at the end, and that uh, is a good example of that. Yeah, and if they used a yeast that was more earthy, dusty, mm-hmm. spicy, maybe that would it just wouldn't be the same beer. Right, they right, right. If you, if, you, if you took what's going on in this Jolly Pumpkin beer and put that onto that malt and uh, you know character that they have in that Willoughby beer, you'd probably have a train wreck. It yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't taste that great, you know. I, I think that would be that would be a real problem. <laughs> oh, who knows? Maybe maybe it'd be fantastic. But even even with the uh, using something like a, the California ale yeast, now Chris, it's possible to ferment that under a, a, a variety of different conditions. So you can have lower gravity wort, higher gravity wort. You can have um, uh, impact from temperature. You could go lower temperature, higher temperature, more oxygen, less oxygen, nutrients, uh, you know, pitching rates, things like that will all affect the kind of character that the, the yeast will produce. The, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, Cal Ale yeast is, is from White Labs, the one that's commonly used in a lot of breweries, a lot of craft breweries across the United States and, you know, uh, elsewhere in the world. And it's a, kind that? of a signature good look because it's a really easy to work with yeast it's real reliable it ferments well it attenuates well it's got a fairly neutral flavor profile uh, balanced yeah. hop and malt character uh, just generally a, a, a great yeast but yeah I, I think it's lager like a little bit so it allows malt and hops to come through but it still tastes like an ale right it's just enough esters and things to taste like an ale. Well, what's the difference between the taste of a lager and the taste of an ale? In the, in the, in the yeast sense of things. I think fruitiness compared to non-fruitiness and maybe sulfur. You know, mm-hmm. lager yeast will have very low ester, fusel alcohol levels, and uh, maybe a little bit of sulfur, but ale strains are, are more on the fruity side. 
fruity, uh, but not overly fruity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the the temperature that you brew a particular yeast at also makes a difference. I mean, you know, kale ale at you know sixty two degrees versus sixty seven degrees are two different beers as well. Right. Because the yeast is creating these flavor compounds as they grow. So if you have a higher temperature and they grow faster and grow more, you'll have more flavor compounds. Yeah, different proportion. Yeah. So the brewer controls a lot of the, yeah. the flavor that is coming out of the yeast. Yeah. They can take one type of yeast and make multiple characters. Yeah, a brewer spends a lot of time thinking about what yeast strain to use. They can't just take something from the air like you would in a winery. They have to use something that's been cultured uh, in order to make beer. So they have to think about what yeast strain. They have to think about what conditions, what temperature, what kind of fermenter, what kind of how much oxygen to give it. So they have to think a lot about these things. And the same thing you do uh, when you're making beer at home. All right, excuse all the, the terrible noise on my microphone there, but I'm getting another beer out here, and uh, I'm not sure that we're allowed to, but I'm doing it anyways. And, uh, How because, many tickets? Because here in, the, here in the audience, I want you to get a chance to taste something that, uh, this is uh, the St. Bernardus uh, 12, and this, this is one, of the, one of the things about uh, the beers from Belgium is uh, there's quite a bit of yeast character, right? Mm-hmm. So what is it about the beers of Belgium, Chris, that uh, have so much yeast character? Why is that? I think the strain selection that was done about 50 years ago, uh, they, they chose yeast strains that had more character to them. And if, you did, if that happened today, perhaps, you know, if, if the strain selection that happened uh, in the 1950s, if that happened now, maybe... Some of these uh, Belgian breweries making Abbey-style beers would use California Ale yeast. But they, they mm-hmm. did the selection at an earlier time when there were strains of more character and phenolics and esters out there. Um, so that's what they ended up using and reused and reused and reused. So we're lucky that we have these beers with these unique mm-hmm. evolved flavors. Yeah, evolved flavors that you know, people grew well, and, and what are the flavors we're getting here? We're getting uh, some uh, fruity, uh, plum. plum, fig, uh, cherry, and we're, we're getting uh, also a slight a, a bit of a phenolic there, a little, mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a spicy kind of character. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times people think that the uh, Belgian beers have uh, spices in them right and 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 they don't really have spice in them they it's just character from the yeast yeah it, it almost tastes like sweetness too because those fruity flavors taste like sweetness so people think it's been sweetened and it's not it's it's so many of these flavors are yeast derived if you split this beer and fermented with a different yeast strain we show people this sometimes it's they're shocked that it the only thing that changed was the yeast right it's a completely different beer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you've ever, if you brew your own beer, if you do a, a trial of yeast side by side and you try different, uh, different yeasts uh, <coughs> with the same wort, uh, you will find that you get uh, radically different beers. You would say, well, this, this can't be the same uh, beer, uh, you know, or same wort. 
same right. hops. You know, it's, it's it's totally different. Now we're doing uh, some uh, pilot batches for Heretic. We're opening up a brewery, and uh, so I've been doing pilot batching at home. And and one of the things I do is I try a bunch of different yeasts. So I'll go down. And I'll we'll get on to uh, more beer, and I'll pick up a bunch of uh, different vials of White Labs, and I'll try that. And uh, you know, then I'll drink them side by side, and just radically different. But, you know, sometimes you'll find... I have an idea of what yeast I want to use. And the, I know the characteristics of the yeasts fairly well. But then, you know, sometimes you get kind of a happy surprise. It's a little bit different uh, depending on, you know, the conditions. And you find something, you go like, wow, that really pops. That, that really tastes like a great beer. That's something I'm really proud of. Have you ever done a fermentation and got a certain flavor characteristic from a yeast and then not be able to replicate that? Has that ever happened? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know, I've had some w- where, repeating it later, it's like, whoa, it's different. And then I'm like, you know, well, what happened? And then usually I'm able to figure it out. Because I have pretty good control over my process. And, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, what I'm pitching, my oxygen uh, levels are always, I keep them very consistent. Uh, you know, because it's, it's in a range that works. And then I, I change other parameters that are easier for me to change. Okay. And to control, uh, you know, temperature, nutrients, things like that. Uh, you know, nutrients I keep the same. Temperature I change. Pitching rate I change. Yeast strain I change. I keep oxygen, uh, nutrients uh, always uh, consistent. Uh, you know, fermenter geometry I try and keep the same. Things like that. But you know, there's small things that. Uh, uh, temperature is the biggest effect. Yeah, temperature is temperature is huge. Um, but yeast strain is probably the biggest yeah, it, because otherwise, Chris, you're 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 in this to uh, provide the world with great beer, right? Has nothing to do with making money, right? So, but you know, and that's why you carry so many different strains. If if you were in it just to make money, you'd only carry like a handful of strains. Yeah, that's true. There, it would be a lot less expensive to make a, just a few right. strains. Because you, you, yeah, you, so. you make a ton of different strains that I think, boy, they're putting a lot of work into this for not a lot of return. I don't think they really... I, I doubt they're making their money back on this. It's kind of like a lost leader or it's just because I think somebody there at White Labs loves the, the flavor of this yeast and it's kind of a pity that the rest of uh, society does not appreciate... Uh, the the flavors of that, right? Yeah, that's true. Some yeast strains don't sell very well at all, but we just keep them uh, right. because we know some people like them, right? <laughs> and or we, maybe we know you like them. Unique, you know, yeah, they're, yeah, they're special. Yeah, and and there are so many yeast strains from the past too. Like like we say with these with these Belgian uh, Abbey strains that are great yeast strains and have lots of flavor and character, but less and less people want to use them these days because you know they don't flocculate. They're kind of troublesome. They might create phenolic flavors. Um, but you know that's if if, the, if these Belgian breweries didn't go to these strains, maybe they would be gone, and people wouldn't want to use them. But since these are in beers that sell well, you know we we want to try to replicate that so others use them. So this Abbey style, these Trappist breweries probably kept this this type of yeast alive, and um, maybe that's why you know we have a few of these strains that we do now. Yeah. Well, you know, in terms of uh, cultured yeast stains, uh, Chris, what, um, you know, how old are some of the strains, that, some of the popular strains that we use? I mean, Cal Ale is probably relatively new, but in terms of, like, some of the Belgian strains, how, you know, how many 
years are we talking? I mean, perhaps 100, 200? Yeah, you can't really tell how old they are. You know, they, they changed over thousands of years and, and definitely hundreds of years uh, of culturing um, in Europe and in, in, in North America. Um, but you can't say, you, you really can't go back to the genealogy and see when they changed. Right. Um, so there's no bank of that information either. So yeast strains have definitely gotten cleaner. Brewers have selected yeast that make less flavors, that are more consistent, that flocculate right. Uh, the yeast strains used in, in Britain now are not the same. They used to... They used to make a big frothy foam on top, and the brewers would collect that foam off the top, and these yeast strains would be all, uh, you know, fairly wild. But now they they, they, they go to the bottom really quickly, and, and they're pretty neutral. Uh, yeast strain that we sell called English Ale Yeast is, is pretty clean and neutral. And, and there were no, I don't think, British strains like that 50 years ago. Well, it has some character to it, more character yeah. to it than... Than the 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 Cal Ale is the 001. Right. Uh, you know, you go to the the English Ale, and you get a little less attenuation. You get a little more ester character, and you can push it with um, you know different fermentation characteristics. Uh, you know, one of the yeasts that we're going to be using is the 007, which is similar in a lot of ways though too, but it attenuates more. And actually, you can get quite a bit of character out of that if you push the conditions. Now, why? So why exactly is it that the yeast? Produce different uh, fermentation character in the beer uh, based on different conditions. Is this a stress response? Is it taking advantage of different pathways because it's more efficient response? What, why is it that uh, you're getting exactly that different flavor? What's the scientific explanation? Mostly because of metabolism. So the yeast is going through metabolism, taking sugar and making alcohol growing into new yeast cells. So when they do this metabolism, uh, just like us, if we're running, you know, we're, our metabolism is different. It's mm-hmm. running faster. We're burning more calories than if we were just sitting on the couch. You run out of oxygen. You start producing lactic acid in your muscles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, muscles you know, same, get a little sore. Right. Same thing for, you know, the yeast. Right, right. So if you jack up the temperature in a fermentation and yeast ferment faster, they're also making more of, they're, they're doing more metabolism. So more of these intermediates in metabolism are spitting out of the cell mm-hmm. and those become flavor compounds. Right, right. So if you reduce the temperature, if you reduce the amount the yeast grow uh, in buds, uh, you'll have less flavor compounds. Right. And, and you know, people ask, well, how do I, you know, change the amount of buds that the yeast are, are going to produce? You can do, you know, temperature control. You can limit the nutrients, the oxygen. You can increase the pitching rate. All these things are going to affect the amount of budding that you have in the yeast cells. Amount of total growth, yeah. Right, and that's going to affect the flavor. So those are all just kind of like dials that uh, that you have on the, the, the fermentation character of your beer. How many people out here brew your own beer? Yeah. Okay, Ooh, all right, good, all right. good number. All right. Well, and, uh, you know, Chris, Chris is going to have to run off in a little bit. Um, I'd like to keep him for the whole show, but unfortunately he, he's going to run off and do a, uh, a comparison of uh, in about five minutes about uh, four different beers from four different breweries using four different types of yeast. Yep. And uh, that's going to be where? In the... Uh, the VIP lounge. VIP lounge. The very important... Yeah. Back over there on the left. Brewer lounge. Yeah. There's food there, too. There's food there, too. Hey. Cheese. Don't be trying... Crackers. Don't be trying to steal our audience. Because I'll tell you what, if you stick around here, 
and your homebrewers. And any question you want, uh, Palmer and I will answer that for you. Doesn't matter what the subject is, uh, we can tackle that for you. And I still got a few heretic stickers for those who are, are interested. Uh, just let me know. And it's a blatant bribe, maybe, but well, that's right. Maybe if you ask a question, they give you a heretic sticker. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, what other beers have we? Or one of the other things about beer and uh, tasting the character of the beer. When you get these beers out in the on the festival floor, you know, a lot of them be served cold. They they submerge them in ice in order to to keep them cold and keep them steady. That's a that's a good thing. But when you get it. Um, you may want to warm it up a little bit to get a little more of the character out of the uh, out of the yeast and uh, see how that uh, character comes across in the beer. Yeah, but you'll get different you'll get different flavors expressing themselves at in you know, different proportions with temperature increase. Right. You know, some of the esters will come out. Um, some of the you know some of the higher alcohols will be a little more evident right. at higher temperatures and. Uh, you know, some in some beers, uh, like some of the Belgians or some of the English palas, when they talk about uh, drinking beer warm, it's relatively warm. You know, it's opposed to um, I keep cutting out, don't I? Uh, it's it's opposed to you know ice cold. You know, in terms of warm, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking you know forty five, fifty, fifty five. You know, 55 well, probably is an upper limit of how warm you'd want to drink any particular one beer. Rick is also heading up the, uh, there is a, uh, a real cask beer bar over in the, the corner over this way here. Yeah. And um, they've got a number of beers on cask. And what that is, is the beers are served at cellar temperature instead of, you know, ice cold. They're served at cellar temperature. Which is like 50. They're served through a beer engine, which, uh, uh, you know, they pump it through, and it actually has a little less CO2. But they also drive the bubbles through it, and you get this, you know, giant uh, cascading of bubbles when you serve this beer. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it really drives a lot of the aromatics to the top. It's really a, a pleasurable right. experience in, in that respect. And the warmer temperatures allow those beer flavors to really express themselves. You know, not only the flavors of the malt, the hops, and that, but the yeast. And the yeast character, I think, is is probably the thing that suffers the most in a cold beer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, those those light uh, accents that you get from the beer flavor. Right. You know, in a, in a very cold beer, yeah, it, it, it's gone. So right. that's that's what's nice about a cask beer is uh, it softens up the carbonation. And also, it brings out some of those aromatics, and you can you can get those when you're drinking it from mm-hmm, a cask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's over that's over the back there on the left, um, right. past the USA Northeast area. And uh, that was uh, Rick Will- Rick from uh, Willoughby Brewing. You're talking about, right? Right. They have um, well, he has a I was I believe it's barley wine. There's a barley wine. There's a robust porter. There's, there's a, a double black IPA. There's, a, there's from, a pale ale with some smoke malt in it. Yeah, nice selection. Uh, you know, very interesting, diverse selection they have there. So it is. definitely stop by and give that give that a try. You'll be, uh, you know, some people they say, well, you know, oh, it seems the beer seems warm or it seems flat. It's like, well, yeah. you know, get past that. You yeah, know what you expect, it, yeah. and, and and think about the flavors and the aromas and really smell the beer and. And, yeah. you know, try and, and, and get into all the little details and, and nitty-gritty of that, of that, uh, yeah, that experience. And, and you're really, you know, like, wow, there's a lot more going on here than the cold beer I had over in the other booth. That's right. Yeah, that's what Jen was talking about in terms of being a beer geek is, you know, taking, 
taking the time and to learn about these different flavors and then look for them and experience them in the beer. Right, right. And uh, there's some really interesting flavors out there. Well, I'll tell you what. Is, you guys are homebrewers. One of our sponsors of this show is uh, Blickman Engineering. I don't know. Uh-huh. Anybody familiar with Blickman Engineering out here? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. He's, he's out, uh, out this way. Or he's, you know, kind Indiana. of a Midwest kind of guy. Yeah. Indiana. Yeah. yeah. And um, real great guy. He sponsors this show. He pays us money so we can do this show and not have to charge for it. So yeah. uh, if you get a chance, go by BlickmanEngineering.com. They actually have some of the coolest gear you're going to see for brewing beer on their website. And it's just what I think what John's trying to do with his company is um, it's not – and it's – you know, I, I think he can make money a lot of different ways because he's a, a, a brilliant engineer. Yes, and yeah. he, he could do a lot of things. But I think he's trying to make brewers' lives easier and make their beer better through, you know, yeah. intelligent design of products. Yeah, robust brewing systems. I mean, whether it's kettles, whether it's bottle fillers. Well, he's chillers. always always coming out with something new. Yeah, the guys, the guys, not just laying around. You know. Uh, Selling you know, one product. Uh, right, take, taking it easy. He's always trying to come up with something uh, creative and new to really, uh, you know, help mm-hmm. forward the kind of the science of homebrewing. So if yeah. you're a homebrewer, at the very least, even if you're building your own gear, which a lot of people like to do, go to his site, check it out, look at that stuff, and you'll get some great ideas from it. So uh, he's a wonderful guy for sponsoring this show. Um, if you enjoy this show... At the very least, send them an email and say, hey, John, uh, thank you very much for, for sponsoring it. We appreciate the show. Whether you're going to buy anything or not, it doesn't matter. I think, yeah. I think he is very much about promoting the hobby. So, uh, Definitely. You know, he'll, he'll appreciate that. And it won't cost you anything other than a few minutes of your time. So, so go ahead and do that. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, let's pull a couple more beers from the cooler for the crowd here, huh? Definitely. Sound, sound like a good idea? Yeah. All right. Back after this. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Brewers Publications is proud to announce their newest release, Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. Chris and Jamil thoroughly cover yeast selection, storage, handling yeast, and how to culture yeast. Learn how to set up your own yeast lab, the basics of fermentation science and how it affects your beer, plus step-by-step procedures, equipment lists, and a comprehensive troubleshooting guide. Professionals and homebrewers trust Dr. Chris White, who founded White Labs Yeast more than 15 years ago, and Jamil Zanishev is one of the most respected 
trusted and most awarded home brewers in history and co-author of Brewing Classic Styles with John Palmer. Visit Brewers Publications on Facebook for more information. Order your copy at shop.beertown.org or from the Brewing Network. Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by two of the most trusted names in commercial and home brewing. Proudly available soon from Brewers Publications. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. I love beer. I'm a brewer. I brew it. I drink it. It's in my blood, really. I'm that guy that pours malt extract on his pancakes. I wish I could just put a good brew in my pocket and take it with me. Now you can. Hey, brewers and beer lovers, why not eat the energy bar invented by a home brewer using the same ingredients in your brew? Introducing Brew Bar Energy Bars, spelled B-R-U-B-A-R. Malt, oats, vanilla, nuts, cinnamon, coconut. You've put them in your beer, and you'll find them in your Brew Bar Energy Bar. All natural, made with simple ingredients chosen for the highest quality. They're new, different, and have a rich malty flavor and smooth, moist texture, just like a fine craft brew. You can find Brew Bar Energy Bars at BrewBar.com or find a retailer near you. And if you are a retailer, you should contact them and find out how you can sell Brew Bar Energy Bars. Check them out at BrewBar.com. That's B-R-U-B-A-R.com. And follow them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BrewBar. Remember, it's in your Brew Bar Energy Bar because it's in your brew. BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And HopTech not only carries Y-Yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. What's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Doesn't get any better than this, baby. It doesn't. Hey, howdy, hey. 
We're having a great time at the uh, Cleveland IAX Beer Fest. This is the first, and I hope the uh, forerunner of many. many. Yeah. Because uh, this is fantastic. Yeah. Especially good. this Friday night crowd. I mean, it's, it's getting a little bit busy in there, but... Yeah. Uh, Looks like there's still plenty of beer uh, and uh, plenty of room to get in there and try your your favorite beers from all over the place, all yeah. over the world. Yeah, well, you look at all the green shirts out there. All the people have volunteered right. to pour, and uh, you know it speaks well of the Cleveland beer community. They have a huge number of volunteers, which is very cool. So there's really very little waiting, and um, you know they've got uh, they've got it sectioned off. They've got stuff from the West Coast. They got stuff from internet, uh, you know. Pan Asia, yeah. North and South America. I see over there. Europe. Europe. They've got the West Coast of the U.S. They got the Midwest. They got the USA South. They got Belgium. They got uh, USA Northeast. Yeah. They got the real cast. They got the VIP thing. There's plenty of uh, food booths. Uh, this is this is fantastic. Yeah, it is. And they got room to grow this thing because this is a massive building. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah I guess they, they used to do tanks here, build tanks or something. Yeah. I so. guess we're we're only taking up the minute. A third of the building, maybe a quarter of the building. Yeah, maybe. But uh, there's yeah. plenty of room. Right. So uh, I could see this growing into, uh, you know, its own alternate GABF. I, that, that would be cool. So if you get a chance to come down here for this, I would. I would highly recommend Yeah, this. tomorrow it's open from what time, I believe? I think we got a one to four session or one to five. Then there's a, a, a little couple hour break there. And then there's another night session after that. Uh, very cool. And Jamil will be helping host the award ceremony here from the main stage tomorrow as well, while John Palmer and I are out there drinking beer. That's no, nice. I saw Palmer in the uh, in the uh, oh uh, book signing. No, in the in the program, it, it said that Palmer was doing the awards with me. Oh, sorry, Palmer. Uh, oh well. <laughs> I told him already. Sorry, sorry, price. This sorry is the buddy. Price. Now we're supposed to do a VIP beer session on Saturday. And I don't see it's listed, so um, I'm hmm. cool with skipping it. But I, I, you know, since we mentioned it to a bunch of people on the air for right. the past several months, um, but we can do our VIP tasting anywhere. We'll just pick our favorite spot in the hall and just do well, it right on a row. I think we kind of have one going right here. I believe so. Yeah, I believe this is a VIP group. Right. I like how you're sharing beer that we didn't even ask if we're allowed to have back no, here, Jamil. No, no. Uh, what was her name? Jen. Uh, Jen. Yeah. She said, Jen, it's yours? She said, tell them it's my fault. She said, I could, <laughs> Good. She said, uh, you know, play it by ear. So There's probably four more panels. There's not going to be a bottle left. I like Jen. She is. She's fantastic. She's like, yeah, let, you know, let's make sure people have a good time here. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know? we should call her, you know, Kelly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't her name. Her name. <laughs> no, it, 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 her attitude's fantastic. Gratitude is, you know, make sure that, you know, the show goes well, make sure everybody is happy, that the people are participating and enjoying what they're doing. And if that requires giving beer out from the cooler, let's go ahead and do it. So be it. So um, this one right here is a, uh, a, a Doppelbach, a smoked, oak-smoked Doppelbach from Germany. So um, yeah, That's interesting. It's very pale, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, and I actually I think it's quite good. Anybody want to come up and give this a try? Anybody into uh, smoke beers? Well, it's got a got a great character to it. <laughs> it is a nice feature that that we don't get at the Great American Beer Festival is being able to try international beers here. Yeah, uh, beers from Germany oh, and, and all this over. This guy right here. Yeah, yeah. Drink <laughs> he, he, he deserves a beer from Bamberg. If you don't have a heretic sticker, you come up and grab one. Another guy wearing the later in. He deserves a little bit of smoked beer. So, uh, what is it that we're tasting in this beer here, John? Well, I don't know. Let me try some of yours. 
Ah, very. You know, you get some. You get some ham. You get that smoked meat uh-huh. uh, roll. But it's it's yeah, sausage like a hickory stick or a beef stick. Um, it's a very nice smoke character. Right. Uh, it's, it's not overpowering. It's not overpowering. It, and, yeah. And uh, what about the yeast character that, that we get? Right. It's delicious. I I think mm. this is yes, this is, is well good. done. I think the you know the the yeast character on this one is uh, a lager yeast character. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It it lets the it lets the the uh, smoke come through. It doesn't overwhelm it with them. Right. With any uh, other esters or anything. When you have a delicate flavor mm-hmm. that you want to present through in a beer. And for all you guys who are home brewers, and you're making a, a beer where, um, <laughs> who, who let the Germans in here? I don't know. <laughs> Every time it's the Germans. I don't care what state we're in. Every time. Well, it's amazing they're doing that well without a microphone. <laughs> Very nice, boys. Prost. Prost. All right, you can see all the action on justin.tv slash brewing network. And believe me, it's a lot of action. That's some action. Those guys really fill out them later hosen. <laughs> yeah. It took, uh, it took more than one sausage to make that happen. This is not their first rodeo, Jamil. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Very well, nice. But the, so, get, to get back to my point, if you're making, you know, your homebrewers out here, a lot of you guys, uh, and gals, Yes, uh, my brewing brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're making a beer where uh, you've got a delicate flavor that you want to present along with the the rest of the character of the beer, you want to stick to something like a lager yeast or something like uh, you know Cal Ale One or Ten Fifty Six. You know, something that's going to leave a fairly clean impression on the beer. Uh, some of the Wheat yeasts that, that are done, the American wheat yeasts, those are Kolsch-related, I think. And those will also do a fairly well jo- good job of it. Yeah. If you want a delicate flavor, like a lot of people have asked, you know, how to make a strawberry blonde. And strawberries are a fairly delicate fruit as far yeah. as beer flavor goes. you got to use a lot of strawberries. Peach, yeah. peach are also real tough. You know, you tend to use apricot instead because it tastes like peach anyways. Um, but, you know, yeast character plays a big role in that. If you get a really characterful yeast and you allow a lot of esters to come through instead of complimenting it it's like a lot of times uh, people ask me and they say well you know can I you know I, I seem to get a lot of pear out of this you know yeast can I go ahead and make my pear wheat beer out of this and you know it'll complement it it'll all take yes and no I mean that rarely works I think right you know when it's a delicate beer what happens is all those esters that are coming up from the yeast fermentation, they will just muddy the character, and it yeah. really all of a sudden it, it actually lowers it, and you're, it seems like you're not tasting the the fruit that you added or the smoke or whatever it might be. Yeah. And when you go with something like a lager yeast or a clean ale yeast for those beers, mm-hmm. the yeast kind of gets out of the way, and all of a sudden, it, you know, if you again if you take the same yeast, same wort, and add it to a bunch of a bunch of different yeast to uh, the same wort. You will get uh, an amazing pop on, of the the fruit flavor, or smoke flavor, or coffee, or whatever it is you're doing, or spice yeah. on some of those yeasts. And other ones, it's like, well, did I add any of yeah. this spice, or you know, this? And, this that, and that leads me to uh, I, I, a point that I, I tend to make when I when I talk about home brewing. 
Um, in fact, just a, a month ago, Randy Mosher uh, sent me an email, and um, you, you all know Randy Mosher, author of Radical Brewing and so on. He's coming out with a new book on uh, home brewing, and he asked me for you know some input on you know what I feel uh, are some of the better home brewing practices, and what are some of the practices that a lot of home brewers fall into that aren't so good. And one one thing that I think a lot of people uh, go overboard with is you know in recipe formulation that they try to combine too much. You know they'll they'll combine a lot of heavily flavored malts and heavily flavored or you know high flavored yeasts like some of the Belgian strains and so on, and they end up with a muddy beer tasting. Um, one of the I, I like to compare recipe formulation to making a sandwich. I mean, everybody knows how to make a sandwich. You you put get a little meat, a little cheese, a little mustard, you know, and you don't go overboard on any one thing. <laughs> and uh, you know, as a result, I mean, you you know, what, everybody knows how to make a sandwich. You know that you're looking for a balance of flavors. You know, you you know you don't want to use a half cup of mustard um, to you know put on that bread. And uh, then you know, put on one slice of meat and one slice of cheese. All you'll taste is mustard. Same way with brewing, with formulating a recipe, with you know, for beer, you you look at your base ingredients and then you look to accent those ingredients. You're not trying to go overboard. You know, you don't overhop a beer. You don't you know go with a yeast that's not that's going to you know completely overshadow the malt and the hops. You're looking for balance and you're looking for a balance among simple ingredients. You don't want to get, you know, go get too complex. Now I really want a sandwich. <laughs> well, I always do too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think that that's one of the secrets to good brewing is knowing knowing when to restrain yourself when you're creating a new new recipe and in choosing your yeast strains. I mean, that's that is part of that. It's knowing, you know, what what flavors and what uh, blend of flavors you're looking for in that final beer. Um, you're, you know, often you're looking for something that, you know, complements each other. So you don't want any one thing to overwhelm. Well, and uh, you know, talking about that, here's a, I think a, a fairly decent example of that is this uh, Envious from uh, New Holland. I hadn't had it before. This is a 2011 their cellar series, and uh, this is seven and half percent alcohol by volume. Uh, Michigan pears feel a second fermentation, providing subtle nuance between grain and fruit. A slumber on oak and local raspberries adds depth and tartness. Uh, and I think this is actually a pretty good, um, you know, uh, example of what we were talking about—kind of a, a delicate uh, yeah. fruit beer character and uh, the oak and all that. And I think if you had a lot of yeast character oh, in yeah. this. I think you'd you'd have difficulty um, really getting you know those other other fruit and other characters in it. What do you, what do you guys think out here? You want to try this? Yeah, come on up, give this a try. I think that's a, a fairly decent example. Um, so just take the bottle and step back down. Yeah, now. go ahead and take it down yeah. down off the stage. Try try and do short pours so everybody can can get a get a chance to taste it. Yeah, we don't need a pour for you. You can do that. Uh, I like it when you guys serve as hosts and bartenders. I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> right. Well, they give us a bar, and they give us beers behind us, and what are we going to do? You're doing it right is what you're doing. Yeah, we're, uh, we're friendly. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, but we're it, friendly it is, uh, people. it's a nice balance. It, and, and fruit beers are you know, really 
they're they're a good blend of uh, you know taking advantage of the yeast character that gives some fruity esters, and then adding some real fruit to the beer, and getting a little bit more fruit character. Um, it can be very nice, very very uh, thirst quenching. All right, so uh, you know we we've, we've been talking for a bit here. We got a, a number of folks that seem like uh, fans of the show. I want to give them a chance to to come up. Uh, we got uh, Moscow here to to our left, to your right. Uh, He's got a microphone. Don't be afraid. Come up and uh, and get a chance to ask any questions that, that you're interested in. Uh, you know, uh, any subject whatsoever. And he's going to do it right here in the center of the floor so we can get your pretty faces on camera. Folks at home can see. If you got any homebrew questions, uh, just come right up to the center and see this man right here, the handsome guy with the microphone. Any we'll questions whatsoever? Yes. Except underwear. No, even those. Already been asked. All right, first up, pretty face. I'm Cricket from Cleveland. Um, I've already pseudo-introduced myself to John Palmer. Yeah. Yes, how are you doing, Cricket? <laughs> um, Justin, nice to put a uh, face to the name. couple questions. Number one, I'm a huge fan of Homebrew Chef and Sean Paxton. If you guys were to make a recipe with a beer you guys have either created, the recipe for brewed, what would it be? Second question... If you were to die in the next five minutes, what beer would you drink as your last beer? <laughs> Don't jinx couple, us couple here in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we still got to fly home, you know. Well, the second, the second question is pretty easy. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. In the next, like, 10, 20, 30, 50 years, what <laughs> right. would be the last That's fair. It's a good question. <laughs> you know, the, the, that, that second question, uh, the, you know, there What they're, beer would we want last? It's, it's the beer I'm drinking now, but... Uh, you know, uh, there are so many great beers, and, and the interesting thing is, I think you come across beers in your travel where, at the moment, you, you, you taste it, and you need to be open to the fact that this yeah, may a be moment. a flawless, perfect beer. This may be the greatest you are ever going to taste this beer, and it may be just a sublime experience. And if you're looking too critically at, well, let, let's see if I can find some flaws in this and a lot of people that are trained beer judges that's how they're trained is to find the flaws not yeah, to find the reasons that it's great but the other night we were sitting and we were drinking this we got a bottle of uh, La Roja from Jelly Pumpkin I'm tasting this and I'm looking at Justin looking at each other I'm like yeah. this is this is perfect this yeah. is you you can't do any better than this this is at just this place at this a time flawless beer and you will drink this you know other times and maybe it'll be 48 points not 50 well i i'm here to say though that that blend 15 bottled on 12 10 10 yeah. is freaking fantastic that yeah. is a flawless beer and I, i've had it here at the booth uh, the jolly pumpkin booth here at the festival yeah, yeah. it's freaking fantastic and, and we've shared some with you guys out here uh, you know right now that would be the the, the beer i drink but uh you know, if it was earlier in the day and we were at Fatheads, I'd be just like, uh, you know, give oh, yeah. me the, uh, what was the um, uh, Hardhead IPA or what yeah, was it? Yeah, uh, That was great. The uh, the, the, the Fest, the uh, the Darker Fest beer. Spring Fest, the, yeah. No, not the well, Spring, the spring Fest. Well, the Spring Fest was also excellent, but the, dark, the Darker Fest beer was a wonderful excellent beer. as well. Every beer was wonderful. So, you know, maybe I'd say if I had the time, wheel me over there to Fatheads, sit me down there, and order me up whatever they got. Uh, you know, that could be the way I spend my last five, ten minutes. Yeah. I'd be happy. I'd be begging for more minutes. But uh, I-, I want the record to, to state that 
you know, Jamil, who's a he's a pretty decent BJCP judge. I know he's na- at least nationally certified, if not higher. I always forget. He gave Jolly Pumpkins La Roja a fifty last night, the top score. Yeah. I don't know that he's ever given another beer a fifty. So I'm just going on record, giving out a couple of fifties. You, you know, there, there's beers when you taste them and you're just like, wow, right now, right here, this is flawless. You cannot do any better than this. There's no. Yeah. You can't make a change to make this better. And then the only we thing you can do it. is make it different. Yeah. Then we proved it by ordering four more bottles. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We ordered a bottle. We ordered a bunch more bottles. Yeah. I came here. I, I, I dumped a whole bunch of tickets in the, the, uh, the Jolly Pumpkin uh, bucket there. The lady's like, you want more? You really like this beer, huh? I'm standing there like, yeah, give me another. Give me another. Give me another. Good like, job. Uh, all right. So I kind of annoyed her. But yeah, sour, beer, sour beers are very nice, after, especially after you've been drinking, drinking beer all day. But they can be horrible, too. They can. Yeah. They can. But the, the Jolly Pumpkin, just a beautiful yeah. approach to it. Yeah. What's uh, your five-minute beer, Palmer? You didn't give one. Um, for me, I I like the sours, um, but I also like the IPAs. And uh, I've had I've had some good IPAs here tonight. Uh, the Moonstone at Willoughby, even though even though Rick swears that it's not as good as it was last time uh-huh. that he brewed it. Um, now that's still, a real fruity character to that yeah. Willoughby moon, Moonstone or moon? Moonstone, I believe. Yeah. Moonshot. I'll go with Stone Moonstone. Okay. But, it's uh, the same yeah. place that has the uh, the uh, peanut butter uh, coffee porter. Yeah, which is nice. Which is actually really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, it smells like a Reese's peanut butter. Put yeah. your nose in there. Yeah, it's, it's like, got a fantastic how aroma. It, how do they do that? Yeah, but um, but their, their Moonstone IPA is very nice. Uh, good good balance of different hop varieties uh, mm-hmm. to bring out a nose. I've had some other IPAs, you know. Yeah, you got to pick one. Pick one? Pick one. Pick a beer. That's her question. Is pick one. You have well, five. I'm gonna, don't, uh, don't go. Well, I would go with. Uh, you have five minutes to live. Okay, Moonstone. Moonstone. His, his answer's yeah. gonna take longer than than he's got to live. Yeah. I'm not as diplomatic as these guys. It's a piece of cake for me. Cantillon Rosé de Gambrinus, a super sour Belgian ale. I'll I'll take it any time. It's piece of cake. Done. You guys are much more beer diplomatic than me. You I don't know. One? I don't know. Policy. I don't know that I'm Park, Ohio. Has anyone in this season done a dandelion beer? Uh, I imagine that, that people have because, um, you know, a lot of people do dandelion wine. So I would imagine there's a dandelion beer out yeah. there. That would be that would be interesting on a, a real light uh, Coles type uh, base beer. Well, he's asked questions. Give him a sticker. A couple, couple of heretic stickers for you here, sir. Thank you for participating. Yeah, um, I, I don't know of any, but uh, I would I would imagine, and I, I think that's a great thing for a home brewer to do. That's one of the things that, you know, some craft brewers I don't think understand the value of the home brewer population. And the home brewer population comes up with things like, well, let's try dandelions, let's try this, let's try that. You know, stuff that you just can't do commercially, yeah, they're going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And, and to a point where it's like, wow. Wow, that that's fantastic! And then they'll they'll come around to your brewery and they'll share it with you, and they'll let you, you taste those beers, and you're just like, eh, you know, there will be some bad ones, but there's going to be some ones where you're like, oh my god, how did you do this? Yeah. I want to do that. I think I could sell sell a lot of this. This this would be a great thing for my brewery. And then the home brewer will go, oh yeah, here you go. Here's here's how you do it. Can I come by and help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, can I shovel out your mash tun? Sure, you know. <laughs> I tell you, you know, home brewers are a wonderful, wonderful part of the whole industry. So, yeah. uh, and craft you know. brewers too. I mean, most of the craft brewers we meet, 
are every bit as helpful as a homebrewer. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and I think, yeah, the, the whole industry is. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think, you know, it kind of gets lost in the in the crush of all the things you got to do in order to make yep. it work. I mean, I'm already kind of up against the, the the clock on that, but you know, it's just it's nice to uh, you know have that uh, that community that, that is really uh, just really generous with their yeah. their time and their information. Uh, George from San Antonio, Texas. George. Shout out to the uh, San Antonio Cerveceros, our homebrewing club down Woo-hoo. here. Came up here for two reasons, the great beer and to see you guys. A uh, nice. couple of questions other than I know you didn't drive the Westie because I heard you were flying. <laughs> uh, the biggest question, we're seeing a lot of radical beers out there, extreme beers. All right. Where do you see the next extreme beer? Where, what level are we going to? And probably the single most in question, important question, where the heck is Bevo? <laughs> that is an important question. It would guys. be nice to have a Bevo setting here. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, I think you know, extreme beers. Yeah, I think everybody's going to come up with some twenty percent imperial stout or something like that. Where uh, you know, for the crowd that's into it for just alcohol, you yeah. know, that's that's just going to happen. But um, uh, you know, I I don't know that. Um, you know, so I think alcohol, alcohol's been pushed, and people have gone up to, you know, 25% or whatever. But I think, uh, you know, the average pub hasn't done that. You know, they're sticking around. They're going up to 10, 14. Yeah. I think, like, in extreme beers, everybody will go up to that 20% mark now that it's it's not that difficult to do. Yeah, but it's, you know, unfortunately, it's it's really, I consider it more of a novelty than a, an improvement. Um I've had I have had some what, very good beers. What is it beers. doing for the beer? Yeah. What is it doing for the drinking experience other than getting you liquored up? Yeah. Usually not much. I mean, there have been a couple exceptions. You know, once in a while a barley wine or a Russian Imperial Stout that that alcohol level uh, does kick it up a notch, and you can appreciate uh, you know sipping you know that kind of beer. But and there's been other twelve percent beers like an Imperial Red. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of, at the moment. I'm thinking of Grand Teton Pursuit of Hoppiness. It's in, they bill it as an Imperial Red. I forget what its alcohol is. But I think it's more like around ten. But a very, a very drinkable double IPA red uh, amber ale kind of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, good balance of hops to alcohol to malt character. Uh, and I think you know, and it, it's it's a net win in terms of pushing the alcohol that high. Right, um, but, I, but really, in terms of going back to the question, where the where's the next radical thing? Maybe uh, radically low alcohol. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking that we, we will start seeing. More. I would like to see a three percent beer and then priced appropriately. Yeah. So you could go into your local. It's like you know, it's lunch. You know, from work, I can't drink. You know, and get sloshed. But I could have a three percent pint yeah. or two. And I've, and I've had some you know, great session beers. And if, instead of charging me, you know, five dollars, why don't you knock it down to three or you know whatever the ingredient to, you know cost is? I realize that there's you know some expenses with you know the brewing process and with serving and all that. Sure. But you don't need to charge the same thing as you're doing for the you know seven percent beer. Right. And I've had some very full flavored, low alcohol beers mm-hmm. that you don't you don't anticipate that being a low low alcohol beer. 
Well, one of uh, Justin and I were talking the other day. One of our favorites from Stone is Levitation. That's four point something percent. The smallest beer they make, right? And it's my favorite, right? Of all the Stone beers, that's our favorite. And it's just full of flavor. Uh, At the Southern California Homebrew Festival, just back to homebrewers, Julian Schrago, who's a homebrewer down there, Mm -hmm. gave me a pale ale that he wanted to be just on the edge of being an IPA in terms of flavor and aroma and even body. But it was a 3.2% beer. Nice. Oh, that was good. And it was so flavorful and so rich and, and full-bodied at 3.2%. It was fantastic. See, now I wish more brewers would do that. I, th- yeah. I wish the extreme uh, brewer movement would go there. Yeah. D- don't forget about uh, Bitter American from 21st Amendment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Another right, good right. low-gravity, yeah, excellent when, beer. When Jesse came up with that, I was like, I love this beer. It's fantastic. You know, he's like, oh, yeah. He seemed, he seemed to think nothing of it. But it was it was really a, a, a great uh, creation on his part. And that might be being poured here today. I saw 2-1-A on the list. So if you go to 21st Amendment here in the hall, you might be able to find that Bitter American. Hi, guys. Uh, Brian Lennon from Brexville, just south of Cleveland. Brian. Hey, uh, good to talk to you guys. Listen to you all the time. Uh, uh, question about mash efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys are always saying, you know, shoot for 70, 75%. I've got a Blickman boiler maker, uh, and I, you know, do the quarter minute sparge rate nice and slow. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of a good crush, I think. Get a mill set of 40 thousandths. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm getting 85% pretty consistently. And the beer's good, so I'm not freaking out about it. Right. But right. Uh, I'm just curious if that's something you guys think. Uh, no, I think I think you're you're getting everything right. I mean, we we Jamil and I talk about you know not trying to shoot for high efficiency because when you when you purposely try to shoot for high efficiency, you end up making mistakes. You you end up uh, you know you're you're looking you're looking for the payoff rather than the process. Mm-hmm. But when you got the process dialed in, and it sounds like you do. Uh, and I know the the Blickman Boilermaker pots are great. I've I've got several of them myself. Um, you know, you doing the light slow sparge like that, you're going to get high efficiency. But it's going to be you're getting high efficiency because you've got all the right factors lined up, rather than you know pushing any one particular factor trying to trying to hit that. So the, there is there is an issue that you know the more you extract from that grain bed, the more you know, husky, tanniny character you're going to introduce into your beer. So that's what you just need to be careful of. Yeah. And if you're not getting that now, or, if, you know, that can actually be an important part of the makeup and, and flavor flavor and mouthfeel and personality of a beer. And if that's where you want to be, then don't change a thing. The numbers aren't really that important. What is important is the flavor at the end. People yes. ask me, it's like, well, you know, I put all this stuff into my beer. What category do I enter in? Do I go well? What does it taste like? That's that's really what matters. So the you know the numbers don't matter. But uh, if you get um, you know if you're getting any sort of astringency or tannins or something that's a little much, you know the, the, again the more you push that efficiency, or the more efficiency you get uh, at a point, it really becomes you know you can really start to taste those tannins. So you need to just be careful of that. But in the 85, you're probably okay. You know, not not necessarily. How would you back it down? Um, sparge a little faster or a coarser crush, yeah. Um, 
The another thing you could do is um, up your grain bill and just collect less work. You know, right? Um, Don't spark as long. Yeah. So you know, initially, I, I mean, you can do first running beers, and it's interesting. You know, a lot of uh, breweries like Fuller's, they still do. Uh, you know, a first runnings, a second runnings, and a third runnings out of a, a match. And that first runnings, you know, they use a certain, they blend those those three kettles together in varying proportions to make different beers. Fuller's ESB, Fuller's London Pride, and Chiswick Bitter. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, you know, you can sense the increasing tannins and, and sharpness of those other beers, dryness, you know, yeah. lower lower gravity, and yeah, it's kind of a dryness, a tackiness uh, that 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 comes across. They're all fantastic beers, but that's kind of the difference between you know your initial sparge <clears throat> and your later runnings. If you were to separate those out, you know, take a, a quart from the very beginning of your runnings, and take a quart from the end of your runnings. And um, or you don't even take a quart from the end. Take a you know a cup or whatever, and a quart from the end, and then dilute that first runnings to the same gravity, and then ferment those out with some whatever yeast you're using, the same yeast. All right. So they're the same gravity. It's the same yeast. Everything's the same. It was the same mash, but one of it came from the beginning of the runnings, and one came from the end of the runnings. What you'll find is uh, a multi-character, a richness to the first one. And a harsh, grainy dryness to the to the second one, and that's the difference between pushing, uh, you know, efficiency and not. Yeah. And I don't think you're really doing that. I think you're doing fine. And you're probably making a great beer, but you know, that's that's what you know the character to look for. And, it, and it's an interesting experiment. You know, that first running, last running thing. Uh, you know, a huge difference between the two. Hey, Jamil, I, you know, I never, I never like being the one to end the party, but you two have a book signing to be at in just about five minutes. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We're going to go over to the, uh, the uh, store over there. Festival yeah, store. Festival store in the, uh, the corner off in the distance, and we'll be signing uh, John's how to fantastic uh, How to Brew, which, uh, you know, if you don't have it, you should. Oh, no matter what you. level of brewer you are, I believe you should have a copy of How to Brew. And uh, brewing classic styles, and then yep. if you have the the yeast book, I will sign that as well. That by home home homeboy, homeboy and dog, and dog meat. meat. Yeah, right. uh, dog meat will sign it, and homeboy is around here somewhere, and uh, he will help sign as well. So thanks for participating in the show. Glad you're going to make it. If you ever get a chance, and if you're listening and you haven't been here, you got to come out. Yeah, if you want pictures, no problem. We can. Do, we got a few minutes for pictures. You got to come out to the Cleveland IX Beer Fest. You know, I was skeptical at first because yeah. you never know what you're going to get. But this is fantastic. They have done an excellent job. This this thing is going to grow like crazy. It will. You really need to uh, you need to come out here and check this out. Also, check out the uh, Brewing Network store, uh, BrewingNetwork.com/store. Uh, good things in there. You can you can buy uh, shirts and hats and all sorts of goodies that help support the store. You can even get signed books, and that helps support the show. Uh, as well as uh, check out uh, Blickman Engineering, BlickmanEngineering.com. Right. Uh, Blickman with two N's. Uh, yep. they, lots of great stuff to help your, your brew day go a lot more fun and exciting and magical. Definitely. Magical. <laughs> Just like this show, magical. <laughs> All right. right. Till later. Brew strong, everybody. Brew strong.